Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining Cybersecurity Career Talks. I have with me today Dan J. Maloney. Uh, he is the Deputy Corporate Security Officer for Verizon, and I have Peter Koenig with me. He is a PCI specialist. What is? Uh, thank you both for your service. Both of them have a service background, and they are going to talk to us about how to transition to a career uh, from any kind of service background to cybersecurity. I am Nilofer Tamboli, your host, your host, your coach, your teacher. Um, I'm on this journey with you as we explore different cybersecurity roles until you find your dream job. So before we start, I would just like to read a disclaimer. The views expressed in this presentation and during this session are the personal opinions of the participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of their respective employers. This discussion is a volunteer-led effort to contribute to the profession and pay forward the many kindnesses and instances of support and guidance that the participants have received during the course of their career. All right, so we start with uh, Dan. Dan, can you share your journey and how, uh, how did you transition to your present career? Sure. Well, um, my uh, journey was, um, I, I would say that it was probably more unplanned than it was planned. And I think in part because uh, when I started to move into the cybersecurity cyber arena, Cyber was was still really largely in the in the purview of the military and in the government, and it was much more of a a defined world. So I actually came in sort of through the back door. I was in international business for the employer that I was I still work for, and it became clear that we were starting to see things on the business front that were sort of non traditional through the business lens. Things that were happening, they were being attributed to other things, um, sort of. Uh, you know, the uh, if I just give one example, the the advocacy of USB at time because of portability and the speed of USB <clears throat> quickly became a vehicle by which we were seeing intellectual property move out of the business, but in a very uncontained and sort of diffuse way. And the security mechanisms at that time for the companies that I worked for really didn't sort of have an approach to quantify or qualify the impacts or the implications of those things happening. So we really started to react to those sorts of things. Um, we started in the business side, started putting together processes and protocols as good business people do to start to address those types of things. And the security teams, which were really in the infancy of their cyber, cyber, uh, cyber, my back, my Boston just came out there. I'm sorry. In the <laughs> infancy of the cyber background uh, started to uh, respond to what the business was already doing. Long story short, I was recruited by the, chief security officer uh, for the organization I work in now, who was more on the traditional side, although he was the EAD for the cyber arena in the in the federal law enforcement area. He was really looking to what I call contemporize the security um, departments within our company to make it more business enabling and more aligned with the needs of the business. So I was recruited into cyber. Long story short, we started building out capabilities, and we'll get into more of that in just a couple of minutes here. But that was sort of my intro into the cyber world in a formal uh, capacity, coming through traditional uh, international business. 
Thanks. So it, it's not like while you were in the service, you were like dreaming, always dreaming of becoming a deputy uh, corporate security officer or something. Not really, no. Not really, no. Okay. Um, so Peter, yeah. what is your experience and can you share your journey with us, please? Yeah, I just want to make a disclaimer. There's, it says Lieutenant Christopher J. York on there. That's my friend. He was using it for another site. So that's not him talking through there. So uh, listen, it started in 1991. I walked into a small police department and I knew a little bit about computers and they handed me the computer system completely and said, hey, listen, you're the computer, the IT guy, whether you liked it or not. As things started to change, I would say somewhere when the technology really took off, I would say 2001, 2002, we started dealing with more child pornography, something called chalking, where they were marking and using Wi-Fi for the, uh, for the child pornography. And you would start doing these investigations. Uh, sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, you'd be sitting there with a cell phone, not knowing what to do. And, and they said things were going so fast. Instead of sitting there relying on other people, I took it upon myself to really educate myself. And that kind of, you know, uh, got me going, I'd say 2005. Remember, there wasn't a lot of malware. Now there is, you know, it's a lot more attacks. I've had the, the uh, I've had a officer pull me aside and show me literally the laptop is being, uh, what we call it again, ransomware. So we've had that happen even in law enforcement. So I knew how to deal with those issues. But the one thing I will say is we have a lot of, in the agency I was, was a lot of white collar crime. And it all occurred through uh yeah, social engineering, through emails, through defraud. I've seen someone get taken for $300,000. So you'd be doing these investigations. And that really is how I became very good at understanding this and working with, the, uh, with other agencies too, because you could go all the way from your local agency to the prosecutor's office, all the way up to the FBI, sometimes even the uh, Secret Service. So, and that's how I got into it. And it has served me very well right now since I've retired. Sure, sure. And uh, once you retired, I think six months before you retired, you yeah. you you became a member of IC Square New Jersey chapter, right? Yes. Because uh, a little more than that, maybe a year before. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that that's that's when I met you, um, and uh, we've been friends ever since. Mm -hmm. But uh, like, so for you, you always focused on a cybersecurity career post your retirement, or when is it that uh, you decided that you wanted to focus on the cybersecurity? I'll be honest with you, I initially wanted to teach. So I went more towards the, the teaching side and criminal justice. And at the same token, um, what happened was there's not a lot of jobs in the teaching industry, I'll be honest with you. If it is, it's just part time. But I found this very easy to, and I did extremely well in any place I ever interviewed. So I kind of knew it backwards and forwards. So this, it just, it was a natural inclination to it. I, I don't know why, but it, it, and it flows and it, thank God, because, you know, right, and right now in this economy, it's been very blessing. So. Sure, sure. And uh, Dan, when, when did you focus on uh, cybersecurity career? Uh, because uh, like, as you said, you started off with yeah. international business yeah. and like progressed. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, um, the the uh, uh, my definition of a cyber career is probably a non-traditional definition. I, I really don't, you know, I've taken the, the traditional career and the educational paths, certification paths, but I really don't look at um, uh, cyber in in the same way I see a lot of my peers do. Right? I think um, I I really looked at cyber very much, and I still do, by the way, very much like I do business. That the um, and I was talking to a um, um, a, a federal employee at one point about these types of things. And he had testified in front of Congress after the 9-11 commission uh, took place. And they were talking about cyber attacks on critical infrastructure. And he said, and, and I, this really stuck with me, 
that he that many people that he would deal with, even very senior people would. And he used a military example. He said they would, you know, they you would not point at a tank and say that is war. You would not point at a, a gun and say that is conflict. You, in this, and you wouldn't put it in a, point it at an umbrella and say that is weather, right? He said a lot of times we point at the tools and we call that the category. And that's really, I don't think that's really the issue. <clears throat> when I look at cyber, I look at this in, in, through the same lens that he was using, which is those are the implements. Those are the implements. But absent the business activity that flows through those implements, you have no cyber. You can put those things down and turn them off, and there's still a cyber world back here, right? There's still the need to be able, and Peter sort of touched on this just a little bit, there's still the need to be able to interpret what is happening around the world, whether it's at the local level, the state level, the the um, country or international level, or all of the above. You still have to be able to interpret what's happening there. So I, I look at cyber very much like I look at business. And when I was hired into my current role, I said, you know, the I don't see when I sort of was going through the interview process of, you know, how do I look at the cyber world? I, I would hear sort of traditional definitions. But when I looked at what I considered to be and interpreted to be the success rates of those traditional approaches, I did not see a lot of success. I just didn't see a lot of success. So. I looked at it differently and thought, look, if if cyber is the activity that is flowing through this ecosystem, this electronic and human ecosystem, then how do we define a win? How do we define the win in the cyber world? Are we defining it as um, repelling of attacks? Are we, is it um, numerical or quantification of how many times we've been hit and repelled it? Or, which is relevant, it really doesn't tell you much about your health and your ecosystem, but which is where I was looking. I was looking at how healthy is this global ecosystem that we manage in terms of being able to manage its cyber activity, its kinetic activity, its human activity through the use of systems. How healthy are we at a policy process, tools, procedures, capability, response, containment? How healthy are we? And I have found that when that question gets asked, it it doesn't tend to follow a traditional path, and it's in how you solve for those things. So, um, so to answer your question, I began to look at it um, through a business lens, and what I think was a very traditional business approach really had evolved into what I think is a a, a cyber approach that is very reflective of what's happening across the world, especially in the business world. I mean, I, I, I would only add one thing in there. I mean, I, I approach it. Listen, you're right. It's the business model versus the people model. Because the problem I've always dealt with is when you're dealing with the people and they make the mistakes, that's when you start to realize, oh, my God, listen, why did you click on that? Why did you give these people meet with these people for 70 and give them $70,000? So <laughs> these are the things that I kind of seal with. Yeah. I can tell you at my organization right now, I do more training than I do administrative or actually technical stuff because if yeah. I don't have my, my employees trained right. Also, too, I have taken the fear concept. If something's wrong, you've got to tell us because I think a lot of agencies, a lot of say, hey, wait a minute, you made a mistake. They start disciplining them right away. Well, the other employees don't want to talk. They don't want to say anything. And that's it's really communication. But I could tell you this right now, especially in compliance issues. You got to you have to train and then retrain and then as said and then administrate. That's been the hardest you know, the thing. It's a lot more harder than working in a small agency. I can tell you that right now. So. 
Did we lose somebody here? Or? I'm seeing a little choppiness. Yeah. You guys back? Uh, I know I'm here. I think for some reason, Alfair is off. We're hearing you, Peter. I, I hear you, Peter. Yeah. You hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. I just don't see her. Okay. So she may have fallen off on me. No, for you still there? We'll have a good conversation if no one comes back then, Peter. Yeah, well, I, and, and listen, as I say, it's so funny because I don't really know if you, at the end, I'll be honest with you, right, you're ever really going to get it right. But the problem I'm running into is you're right, you have to use a business model. I think the biggest mistake has been made is that, hey, wait a minute, we're somehow going to to win the war. Yeah, we know it's yeah. there. It's always going to be there. And as I said, yeah. I mean, literally, I, I remember reading an incident about, uh, what do you call it again, right before I think the inauguration a couple of years ago, they had the... They, took down the entire servers for their cameras. So, I mean, these are yeah. things that can constantly go on, but um, no. I, I will say this, I mean, I work in the credit card industry and as I said, it's all encryption and stuff like that, that they're constantly sure. under attack 24 seven. doesn't matter what you sure. cannot let up your guard one minute for one second. Sure. Because people sure. Are outside, so. Yeah. I think we might've lost her. Uh, she might be coming back. Yeah, I think that could be her coming back. Yes. Yeah. Neil, are you there? I think you're muted. I see her coming back on. Mm -hmm. There you go. Okay. And this. Oh uh, hi! Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Yeah. So. Okay. Can I'm, now. I'm joining. I'm joining through uh, through my phone because unfortunately uh, there is an issue with the uh, computer, but. Uh, uh, thank you so much for staying on and uh, we sure. continue. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so th th thank you so much for sharing um, your experience and why you focused on uh, cybersecurity, uh, this thing, mm -hmm. which, which, which makes sense. It was more like business focused and what we needed to do. Uh, mm -hmm. For somebody who is starting out today, if somebody is uh, starting a career uh, planning like to retire or transition, um, mm -hmm. out from service, what is the advice that you would give them? What, what, what would they have to do or how do they start? Sure, sure, that's a great question. So I get that question a lot. And you know, we do a fair amount of mentoring uh, within, our, within our company and in our organization. So I'm always happy to have this conversation especially around how do you move into this, right? So um, again, I, you know, if I were to start, and I, I tend to speak somewhat candidly about these issues. I'm hearing a lot of background noise there. So I, I tend to speak a little bit candidly about these issues because number one, I want to make sure that I'm giving the, the people that I'm sharing with a, a good sense of things, the challenges as well as the opportunities. And then um, some of the things that um, I would recommend they do to sort of get started. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm hearing a ton of background noise there. Are you hearing all that, Peter? Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, okay. All right, um, so look, I, I start out, um, let me start with the easy ones and then I'll get to, to uh, some of the more soft skills. I think, you know, if you're coming into the cyber arena, there's all sorts of different, um, you know, people think cyber cyber, but there's really many different verticals within the cyber organization. Peter mentioned compliance, there's PCI, there's intelligence, there's endpoint security, there's network layer security, there's inside of threat security, there's um, those things domestically and those same sorts of things internationally. There are embedded teams, monitoring teams, investigative teams. So cyber is a doorway 
in my opinion. It's a doorway. Inside that doorway, there's a lot of different rooms that you can occupy. Some people want to occupy them all, and some want to pick a niche. So I think, number one, it's very helpful to understand what you mean when you say cyber, what someone means when they say they want to be involved in cyber. I've had a number of people ask me, how do I get involved in cybersecurity? And I've asked them, do you want to sit in front of glass all day? And they say, absolutely no way. I don't want to do that. I say, okay, well, that eliminates one part of cyber then, right? There's parts of cyber you're not going to want to be. You may not want to be doing network analysis. You may not want to be doing NetFlow. So you may want to stay out of that. Once I, I sort of drill down into what their skills, interests, and preparation is, it makes the conversation easier from my perspective. Uh, so let me give you one example. Um, I, there's CISM, which gives you sort of the managerial approach. There's CISSP, which gives you sort of the technical approach. Then there's sort of the subspecialties where you can get into um, different areas of cyber. I think you really sort of need to know, and I'm gonna refer to some of my notes I jotted down earlier here, like what really interests you? Because cyber can be a long haul, right? To get um, not only disciplined, uh, credentialed, up to speed, get some cachet behind your name, have some wins, get exposure. It's a long haul, right? It's not a, some, I think sometimes there's a sense if you just get the cert, then, and that's helpful, by the way, I have them, I encourage them because it shows a rudiment of knowledge, so I think it's great. But that's the starting point. That's really the starting point. It's like any career path. You really need to decide, where do I wanna go with this? So I would just model it like this. What do you like to do? What are you naturally gifted at? What is an absolutely no-go for you? What would drive you crazy if you had to do it for a week? And that should sort of give you a sense in the technical realm, in the cyber realm, that'll give you a sense of what you should stay away from in cyber. If you say to me, and by the way, I say this because I said this to my bosses many, many years ago, when they asked me what interested me. And my answers were international business, culture, travel, uh, very, very diverse sets of functions, people leadership, technology capabilities, managerial skills, multidisciplined, um, multinational approaches. That really, in, and I didn't know it at the time, that really informed my approach to cybersecurity and all of security, I would add, that, that uh, all the types of security that I manage. So I would say this, you gotta know what interests you. Now, if you're sort of just getting your, your foot in, in the game, then you know, getting the basics is always helpful. Now, this is my own sort of advocacy and my own personal opinion. We all have our opinions on these matters. This is just mine. So I say to people typically, and I say this to my own kids, I say this to employees that work for me, that if you really want to be successful, multi-skilled, multi-disciplined, you really need to be able to bring broad value into an organization today. If you don't want to do that and you would rather be a technician that's great. There's a lot of work out there for those types of jobs. You probably won't have difficulty getting a job at some point. COVID has thrown things sideways a bit, but no doubt that privacy, cyber, compliance are going to be the, some of the biggest topics in the future for multinational companies. So the jobs are going to be there, but knowing what you want is going to be very, very helpful. So I would start with that. If you spend time sort of assessing who you are as a person, what motivates you, what would drive you crazy, that should inform the path that you may want to start down in the cyber arena. If technology is not your thing, then go to management. If people leadership is your thing, then take that track. But you got to decide on the track that you want. We can unpack that idea a little bit more as we go here. But let me uh, hold my comments there and I'll let Peter share his thoughts as well.
Yeah, I mean, listen, from my perspective, obviously, I started going back to college a little later in my life. So I got my associate's degree. And there is always the college versus certs, you know, competition back and forth. College definitely gets you to administrate. I would say the certs definitely get you technically proficient. Um, If I was saying one thing, if you're on the government side, if you're five years out from retirement, make sure you become the policy writer. Make sure you do all the any type of training programs that you can start, that you can start training and teaching because at some point or another, you're right. We can always teach the technical end to get people to teach, to, 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 to administrate. That's the hardest part. And that's, that's all I do right now is administrate. I don't have the technical end is maybe a 10, 5% of what I do every day. 95% is administrating all of this stuff and trying to figure out who's going to do what, how we're going to get these forms enabled, how we're going to get these, you know, I have to deal with the CISO and I have to deal with all these people back and forth. But going forward, I will always say just a little bit of college. Hey, listen, if people don't have money, you know, if you want to go to, to the local college, especially because I went to the community college and then I obviously went on. But I will tell you this. They have great programs there for learning some of the, the, the administrative skills and also to how to uh, in the technical end, too. So you don't go too far into debt. But I will say the CISSP, if you're doing computer forensics for law enforcement, Raytheon has the CC, which is a. a the certified uh, computer examiner, which is a great class. I have, I'm actually working with that right now at home, which is a lot of work, but I'm going to have that done very shortly. That's the only thing I would say. That. Uh, thanks. Uh, we, we've discussed so far, like, uh, like how to plan going it. So what are the resources that you used uh, to uh, get you to this level? Like, suppose you decided that, yes, I want to go into a, a, a career which has got something to do with like computer security, or it mm-hmm. made sense uh, to go into a cyber security mm-hmm. career. And then you decided on what's, what side of cyber you wanted mm-hmm. because of your uh, working with computer crime, etc. Mm-hmm. But uh, what are the resources that you recommend other people knowing what you know now? And now that yeah. you've been in this uh, area, what, what, what are the resources that they uh, should use? And what is something that uh, probably you wish you knew before you transitioned, uh, Peter? No, that, that's great. That's, that's great. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, listen, I'm looking back on the thing. There was a couple things like they sent me to a Celebrite class, which was incredible. So that was the things that done locally. So that was technical efficiency for the cell phones. But what eventually have you have to know what you want to do. I think Dan kind of, uh, kind of nailed it. You just can't sit there and go, well, I want to be a technician. Where do I want to be on this? In my case, I was getting so many things thrown at me from the criminal end that I was able to pick and choose to understand some of these issues. But I will say this from the perspective of how did I actually do it? I got to be honest with you. There's no clear roadmap. Some things are going to go right. Some things are going to not go right. So I went down a lot of directions. Thank God I went to Fairleigh Dickinson. I did a computer uh, forensics and uh, administ- uh, we called it again, uh, computer security and forensic administration class with Dr. Doherty. He definitely guided us on what programs to touch, but he was a great mentor. You don't always have that out there. Sometimes you're going to go down the road and find out that's not the road I wanted to go and you got to go back. But I think that's life in general. So, But if I was saying one thing, the certifications, I like the CSSP because that's the one I want to try to get because definitely more the, the administrator side, but that's not everything. So, Dan, if you want to say anything. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I think uh, before I get to the technical skills, I think it's always good to have a mentor in life, right? You need someone who you can bounce things off. And, uh, you know, th- these things are, these things are, um, they're not easy to figure out, right? I think if you, if you want to be a dentist or you want to be a doctor or you want to be a pilot, then there's a defined track. You take this course 
you take this course, you take this course, you get this rating, this happens, and you start to move down a career track that's pretty much defined for you. Cyber is very, very different. So look, I think the more you bring to the table, the more you bring to the table, people skills in cyber are highly underrated. Physical security skills in cyber are highly underrated. There's no, there's very little of just cyber and just physical anymore. There's very little of that. The the ship sailed years and years ago. This, this convergence of the, the what I call an all hazards approach has really redefined the landscape. By the time Peter mentioned PCI and and banks, by the time someone either gets to your computer, gets to your phone, um, does a social in, engineering uh, activity, takes over your phone. Uh, becomes you essentially empties your bank account emails your sister your brother whatever I mean those are minutes they're minutes and you know to be they they move so very very quickly that you know you, you don't sort of want to be able just sort of watching this thing from the sidelines right so I think you know really good human skills psychology skills human behavioral skills um, what's happening in the world um, and again, I know I'm going broad here, but forgive me. This is how I tend to do these conversations. But you know, what does what does um, what's happening in China right now with the Hong Kong uh, situation, the China cybersecurity law? What does that mean to your company, right? How do you? What's keeping your leadership up at night? And and do your interests align with their concerns? And then it, you know, I would sort of work it backwards, and I would say, look, um, the technical skills. Look, I, you got to have them today. You you got to you got to have them, right? It's hard to move around in the world. And certainly in a cyber world, even a physical world, and um, not have some degree of technical skill. So I think the certifications are great. ISC is great. It's known around the world. Um, these sorts of forums, these sorts of conversations are outstanding. I let me uh, just sort of throw in a nugget here. We've all been sort of quarantined now for um, four months, I think, right? Four months. I would ask. What have you done? And this is a rhetorical question for those who like to reflect on these matters. What have you done in the last four months to enhance your skills? Now, I'm in a senior position in my company. You know, I've got probably five more, six more years until I decide I want to retire or, or thereabouts. I still take certification tests. As a matter of fact, I've taken two while I've been in COVID. Not because I think I need them, but because uh, for my career enhancement, because there's so much functional diversity in the world right now. And if you get a little privacy through IAPP and you get ISE to help you and you get ASACA to help you and you get SANS to help you and you take some insider threat courses with Carnegie Mellon, there's a lot of free courses out there now, too. You really want to have as many tools in the toolkit because not only is that going to get you in the conversation, but it's going to make you much more adept at managing your world if you're given the opportunity. Let me tell you what doesn't work. Let me tell you what I find that doesn't work. And this is my own personal observations, having worked with many, many people over the years and seen my, and Niffler, you asked me for my own sort of, what would I, what do I wish I would have known? I thought that if I became an expert in one area, uh, that that would sort of carry the day. And depending on your job, if you become the the best in the country at uh, managing DDoS or reverse DNS attacks, then you're going to have a good job for most of your life. You're going to do well. Now, some may argue that that might be a little bit limiting and a little bit sort of constrained. But if that's your thing, that's cool. It's just not my it's not my thing. If unless what you're focused on is going to sort of bring defined value to those in your organization who are measuring value, 
it doesn't matter how good you are at it. It's not going to matter. You may be the best. Peter made the great point about teachers, underpaid, overworked. You, you may be the best, but unless it's bringing defined value to those who are making the decisions on value, it's, you're not going to move far with that. So you have to know your audience. And today, if you're in the cyber world, your audience is the world. And you need to be able to look out there and say, what interests me? How well am I prepared? How do I, what do I need to do to transition from this to this? And I would not wait to the last minute. I love the idea of starting early. And then what is happening in the world right now that aligns with my interests? And what value am I going to bring there based on who I am as a person, my readiness, my preparedness? And then honestly, I think the tools are the easy part. Once you sort of get a sense of that, the tools are the easy part. Certification becomes easier. Your starting becomes more defined. You don't take five or six different tracks and it mm -hmm. helps you to sort of get to where you want to go. So that's how I look at these things, right? I want to bring value. A paycheck is great. A big paycheck is even better. Eventually, you know, you have to know that the people who are making the decision see you as a person, as a value operator. And when you have that, not only is your interest going to go through the roof, people who are going to work for you want to go through the roof. You'll have very, very low attrition in your organization because people want to be part of that sort of jazz. Uh, but you're going to succeed as a manager, a technician, a leader, people leader, whatever. So that's how I would answer that. Thank you. Thank you. Very good tips. And uh, I, actually, it's a very good philosophy of uh, operating. Um, so, so, so Dan, uh, we've gone through uh, how to uh, transition, like you, you shared your philosophy, right? Like how, if suppose somebody is trying to come in from a career, uh, say a law, law enforcement or from the military, they are planning on now uh, transitioning to a civilian career. Uh, yeah. You suggested that they should have get a mentor who will help and yeah. focus in and like narrow down on what they want to do, what they like to do mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. and go down that path. Um, most most of the people like whenever like we we talking about like a cyber security career etc uh, that may not be your first stop right so mm -hmm. it you may get into something different and then transition on so can you share some kind of like tips for that because uh, people like try to like get into a specific role in in the yeah. cyber world and then they yeah. may not because i've been getting like yeah. a lot of questions saying oh i've been trying to get in and i can't so can you share a little bit? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think sometimes people think they're at a disadvantage if they don't bring a full cyber package to the table. And I don't know what a full cyber package looks like, honestly. <laughs> and I've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, I would say this. Um, the last the last 30 or 40 people I have personally hired have backgrounds that are non-cyber. They are finance people. They are, um, they work in law enforcement. They have worked in military. They've worked in intelligence. They've been in marketing roles. They've been in um, physical security roles, very, very non-traditional sorts of roles as it would pertain to cyber. So I think, you know, if you can have a conversation with a hiring person, number one, you need to be able to leverage your military skills. Let's say you're an intelligence officer. Um, and let me give one caveat on, transitioning from uh, the military or uh, public sector to private sector. You can, only, you, can, you can only trade on that once. Sometimes I see people that they wanna continually trade on their background. And 
as noble as the background was and the service to their fellow humans is is um is that's no small thing but you don't want to try to trade on that too much right because it's it eventually it seems artificial so if you have a military background that's wonderful you should leverage it uh, most military people that i've hired are very disciplined very structured um they can take the stress of roles so that's you know they're just very very skilled people but you don't want to trade on it too many times and you also if you're going to get a mentor you don't want to sort of just it's cool to have a relationship with them but you're not there and they're not there just to be your friend right they're there to help you to take this raw material that you're bringing to the table and point it in a direction that's going to help you to achieve your goals so make sure that you're using your time with your mentor very um very thoughtfully and bring something to it. Don't leave. Don't let your mentor sort of get stuck having to do all the work because that relationship will crash fast, right? So bring something to it. Use their time wise, uh, wisely. Make sure you're respectful of their time, and you'll see a very positive response if you have a good mentor. Um, so I would say, uh, Niffler, that you know, if I'm coming out of the military or public sector or into a company like ours or any other multi multinational, the first thing I wanna do is make sure that I know how to make that transition. So I would go to seminars, I would, I would look online. There's so many different transitional aids right now. LinkedIn is replete with people who help you to make that transition. And I would look at the, how do I have this conversation, right? How do I have this conversation? Most good employers, and look, we all need a paycheck. We're all putting food on the table. So I, that's always the baseline, right? Here, it's the Maslow's, the baseline of Maslow's hierarchy, right? We got to eat. But you want to get in, if you can get in front of someone that helps you to take what you have and point it in a direction, that is remarkably effective. And there are good, good people out there who are very, very willing to do that, right? You don't want to, you know, I have people that, I, that have even worked for me and they've worked for me for 10 years. And what I often hear, and these people have not, I would not consider them as having prospered up to their capabilities. I'll often hear what it was like 20 years ago or what they did 20 years ago or 25 years ago. And when I am hiring someone, I'm looking for what have you done in the last five years? So your experience matters, but the world has significantly changed in the last five years. Cyber, insider threat, compliance, financial issues, nation state. Um, it has turned the world upside down. So you might have 25 years of something, which is great, but if you've transitioned into the last five years of sort of a contemporary approach, you're gonna get much more of my attention than if your whole thing is 25 years ago, right? So, and then the other thing I would say is when you have those discussions, you know, first get in the discussion. And even if your discussion is, ma'am, sir, you know, I'm coming out of this environment, I'm trying to transition in, I'm just looking for some pointers on how I start to target my audience. What are the questions? What are the mistakes? What are the landmines? How do I avoid certain things? What are the things that are happening in the world? Can you help sort of, you know, mirror back to me and reflect back to me um, my assumptions and help me just to sort of get clarity on these things? And most good leaders are very, very willing to do that. Very willing. And that is, it is great benefit if you can um, find people like that. And they're out there, by the way. So I hope I answered your question. Yes, you did. Thank you. Uh, Peter, what would you like to add? 
I, guess I, I would just expand on the thing. The one thing Dan is, is right on the money is to say, once you get to the private side, it is a little bit of shock to the system. I'm not going to deny it. Listen, it's seven days a week. Sometimes I'm working. It, you know, when I was in law enforcement, we did four to on, two off <laughs> these things, plenty of ample sick time, plenty of thing. You have to know that you're going to work and you're going to work very hard. The idea that you're going to go to some, to some uh, easy job is not going to happen. But I will say this. He's right on the money with the conferences. You need to talk to people. You can't sit there. You have to actually physically talk to the people. And that's how you start meeting things. I remember being at Thomas Edison had a, a conference and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's something I'm interested in. I would not have picked up on this particular thing if I had not sitting at the conference. The other thing, too, is you have to understand that it's not how you think your organization is working. It's actually how it's working. If you know that, you do better when you move into an organization. That is the one thing I learned after 28 years in law enforcement. <laughs> so, But I will say this, as I said, I don't. I don't have an immediate staff. I can only tell you this right now. This job that I had, I, I started out at one piece and then we expanded and expanded and expanded. And, and then all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm doing something I didn't even, it wasn't even the intention of the beginning of the job. And that's the biggest, the most difficult thing. But all the things that Dan talked about, right, your education, understanding the bigger picture is going to play itself out as how you're going to transition. So. And, and that Dan brought up a very good point that what value are you providing, right? So stay focused on that because nobody cares what you did like 20 years back or something. And yeah. uh, being a lifelong learner, right? Yeah. You have to keep on learning new things as we have like new attacks and everything. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and uh, this thing, Dan, Dan was like uh, spot on on that. Then uh, what about uh, uh, volunteering or what about like suppose you are interested in a career in, in you are like you've transitioned you are like say two years doing some different job but you now want to transition to a cybersecurity career what kind of like does volunteering activities help or is there something that you know uh, projects help when you are looking at what somebody is doing when you are probably hiring and you said you hire people from different backgrounds and yeah. different capabilities so can you uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, do I think volunteering helps? Um, look, I think um, I think the the easy answer is yes. Where you would volunteer and how you would volunteer is um, to get the kind of skill. Look, I, I think again, it sort of depends on where you want to go, right? So, if you want to be a tech, if you want to be totally in technical the technical arena, then volunteering. You, you can teach it for free. You can teach schools, inner city schools. There's so many different things you can do to just sort of get your toe in the cyber water. If you want to be doing things that, I mean, we manage Yale, what I call Yale to jail. It's every possible thing you could imagine that people do with access to a computer from the most horrible to stuff that enhances you know, humanity. So it's everything in between. And sometimes it's all at the same time. It's all at the same time. You have different, if you're in the cyber arena and you are not, and you are only US focused or you're, you're, go, you're going to be limited in terms of what you can accomplish within the cyber arena, just in my opinion, uh, because you deal with many cultures, technologies, privacy rules differ from here to the Europe, to Asia, to India, they, they differ. Um, so if you really want to be affecting things around the world, you need to be just as much, you have, you have to have some degree of expertise in culture, um, cultural norms, expectations, absolutely communication. You know, you'll, we say things off the cuff here very often that is, um, understood, you know, in innuendo and intent and nuance. 
in other cultures, that's not that way at all. And what you say is taken as liter literally what you said. So, you know, you have to be mindful of those things. The way you speak to people here is very different in other parts of the world. And again, I'm talking about the efficacy of cyber, right? If you want to be able to manage your business from a cyber perspective, then you have to have the same capabilities that your business has. Otherwise, you're an add-on. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, I will say this, having been in the room many, many times at all different levels in organizations, public and private, law enforcement, um, multinational startups, you name it. If, if, if you don't know how to have the conversation, you'll be, con you'll be considered a roadblock and people will find their way around you. doesn't matter how good you think you are. And I love how Peter said that. It's really, are you helping the business or your client or your entity or your government, whoever it is, achieve the desired results? It's just yes or no question. It's a closed question. Are you helping do that? Not as you may define helping, but as they define helping, right? And if you're speaking to a client, maybe a non-technical client about a cyber matter, it would be advisable to speak to them in the, their their day-to-day -day language, right? Not yours, right? Most people, although it sounds cool, most people don't really care about layer four of the OSI model. They don't really care that much, right? So you know, it sounds cool in a room, but people tend to shake their head or roll their eyes because no one really cares, right? That's okay. What does that really mean to me? So tell me how that connects to my life and what I'm trying to accomplish and what keeps me awake at night. So you have to sort of be able to bridge all this, these, the, you are really a generalist if you're cyber. You really have to be multidisciplined in, in so many different areas. But the most important part is being able to deliver that you have to deliver that. Sometimes too much is too much to deliver that. And, and I'll, let me just end with this last comment. I'll, I'll give it to Peter. I've made this mistake and I've seen this mistake made many times. I'll just say this, especially in large companies. If you really want to be able to be successful and move your career along and be considered as someone who knows their stuff, it is much more um, beneficial to be able to target a very distinct and concise message, even if the ingredients that comprise that message are voluminous and multi-layered. To be able to deliver that in a succinct, concise, simple way to people who need to take your input, as well as the input of many others to architect a decision, you will be looked at as a value add. If you can't do that, you don't want to be in that role. You don't want to be in those roles. If you're only if you're only technical, or I shouldn't say only technical, so that's so valuable, but if you're only tactical or you only want to be tactical, stay tactical. If you want to be strategic, make sure that you're able to start to join Toastmasters, join other organizations that help you present in a way that gets to the point in a way that your audience can embrace it, understand it, and then make decisions based on what you're saying. So, I, I just want to expand on what Dan was talking about, the, the international effect. There was a religious institution in our town, and I'm kind of drawing back a couple of years, but seven times it was an individual attack on that religious institution. They hacked their computers and changed their, their, their screens. And where that kind of opened me to the international level was I'm going, this was specifically one institution in the United States they went after. It was seven times it came from Russia. When you go open your eyes, you're like, oh, my God, how connected the world is. But you start to realize 
within a few seconds, it totally took down the organization. Seven times we went back there to do the reporting on that one. Same attack, same attack. It was incredible that no matter what they did, they couldn't get away from it. What I always say is, hey, listen, the, the most difficult thing I have always struggled in is that it's all about the people. And the problem is, is that you've come in and said, nobody likes to walk into the room and say, by the way, too, we need to increase our cyber budget another $90,000 or another $100,000. And they look at you like, oh, my God, when is this over going to end? Because they don't understand why we have to keep doing this, especially in PCI compliance, because, hey, if they get into the servers and get the personal data, that's the Federal Trade Commission does the audit after that point. They don't understand that, that this is really, it's every day, every second. But the problem is, is that getting these people to see it, because some people, the first thing I always tell you in the meeting, I can't say, I don't know anything about cyber. And I, I, you know, you're, you're in charge of doing that. It doesn't work that way. And uh, it, that's the most difficult part of my job, explain it to at a level that few people can understand. And I, I will probably spend the rest of my career doing that. <laughs> so. Thanks, Peter and Dan. Um, we let let me check. I could finally get into. Uh, there are questions. How do I get into cybers? Okay. So so, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, uh, Dan, I'd ask you, uh, what is what is some advice that you would give a person who is um, planning to join the military or maybe law enforcement, and they want to like. Uh, look at a long-term career, what would they should, what, what should they be doing from day one uh, so that they can transition to a career in uh, cybersecurity? And there are different things, but what, yeah. what, should, what should be in the back of their mind if they think yeah. that, yes, that is something where I want to end? Sure. So I think most career tracks now, whether it's medical, aviation, engineering, architecture, infantry, um, intelligence, uh, communications, they all have a cyber component. All of them have that now. Most of the tracks now have a cyber component. The um, Even COVID with contact tracing has a cyber component now, right? They have an automated component. So you, you're not going to get away from it. So I think that's probably the easy part is it's there, depending on the discipline you go into. Look, there's some that if you go into and they have no sort of connection to intelligence, cyber, compliance, it's probably not a career that has a long future ahead. So I would, you know, if you're if you're thinking thoughtfully, I would I would consider that. Um, but look, whether you get into finance, law, um, privacy, um, international matters, nation state matters, um, you know, or technology, there's going to be a cyber component. So I would become masterful in that area, and then I would also leverage some of the private sector offerings that sort of help start to build that bridge for a transition to private sector. And I, and Peter said that earlier, if you don't wanna wait until the year before retirement, right? In my view, you really wanna start that three or four years out so you can start to build those relationships. And by the way, you know, I'm with law enforcement at the federal level almost every day. And uh, some of them I've seen have waited to the last minute and it was a harder transition for them. Others have started to pave the way years in advance and I've hired many of them and they're just remarkably skilled people. But, you know, I wouldn't have known that had I not started building a relationship. So I think becoming an expert in what, knowing what you like, knowing what works for you, becoming adept and skilled in that, ensuring that you start to build a, a bridge to transition to the private sector, having a mentor, having a good productive defined relationship with that mentor, and then a good network is going to land you uh, at a starting point. And again, I would just, be mindful that sometimes these things are a marathon and not a wind sprint, right? 
you need to land and then expand. You may get a job that is not the ideal position, but use that, become skilled at it, grow where you're planted. And then if you want to move on, move on. But um, don't look for, you know, the ultimate role in cyber the first time you hit the private sector. Give it time and make sure that you're building those capabilities and you'll see your success. I've seen that over and over again. Sometimes it takes time, but it will happen. So that's what I would say. Peter. I, you know, one of the things you said, I, you know, you go to the LinkedIn site, you can put the resumes in for, you know, a hundred times. It doesn't necessarily, it's going to be picked up, but just don't get discouraged. I remember I was looking at a job for the NFL. who was a cybersecurity guy. I actually ended up meeting the guy at a conference that took the job and it had so many qualifications listed. I don't know how anyone they, they could meet, you know, there's no way anyone could do all of it. It was impossible. But that's part of the problem. Some of the organizations put it out there and they think it's a catch-all, that somehow some guy is going to be able to work a Celebrite and then be able to administrate in the same job. It's almost impossible. So these are the things you have to understand is that when you're in the interview, you got to tell the organization, yeah, I can administrate these things. I can't do all these things. You have to kind of get into that's part of the interview process, because if they sit there and tell you that you're going to work to Celebrite and then have to go administrate the teaching, you're, you're going to be in a job you're not going to win. So you have to articulate that very well. That is the one thing I'm very blessed in the organization I work for right now. When I tell them what I can do and what I can't do, they seem to be real. They're actually very good with me that way. And they know enough to what to, you know, how to uh, get other people involved or, from, or help me get that way. That is the blessing of where I work right now. But never get discouraged. Remember something like this. This is never going away. This stuff is going to be here for the rest of our lives. You know, I, I think I was at one of the conferences where Microsoft, the way they built it, it's a shareware. It will always have issues this way. So, but but we have to, to do the more of the people approach and talking to people if you want to go further in your career. That's the first thing I would, the, most, the best thing I could offer. Sure. Uh, thank you so much, Dan and uh, Peter for joining us today and uh, your advice and your uh, opinion about things and your guidance is extremely helpful for people who are trying to transition from public service to a role in cybersecurity. Thank you so much uh, for your, uh, joining us today. It's a Saturday and um, I appreciate you taking the time for helping out. Uh, I will just close the live stream at this point. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay. So, so the live stream is over now.